You're listening to Everyday Humanity. Welcome back to our very last episode of Everyday Humanity. So our guest today, I just got done saying, hey, no pressure. You're going to close this out for our very first season. Gulp. Yes. (laughs) Yes. But you guys, we are so happy to have Chris Andrus with us today, who is co-owner of The Mitten and one of West Michigan's most, well, I mean, I'm probably biased, but (laughs) well-loved humans. And so I am Beth, in case you guys have forgotten or... Um, or pretending not to know, and I'm joined by Regina and Dennis again, my co-hosts, who are giving me the stink eye <laughs> about, I don't know what, maybe the still of the Ohio State, I can't say the word loss. Yeah. Hi, Beth. Hi, Hi Regina. Beth. And, you know, <laughs> I know Hi, Matthew, our producer, doesn't want us to date these episodes, but it is only fair to reflect on the miracle that happened on Saturday, where good finally triumphed over evil, and Michigan beat Ohio State. And I, I know that that's that hurts both of you, um, but I'm okay with that. I really am. You, know, you said it best, a miracle. Yeah, I, Jesus yeah. performs miracles, Dennis, so, and that, well, that he did. But but don't forget that, that I said good triumphing over evil, right? <laughs> right? Like there's whole psalms written about how long, God, until good finally triumphs over evil, and we saw a piece of it. Uh, anyway, we're doing a podcast, right? We are. This is not, and this is not a sports podcast. This is a podcast about everyday humanity. Yeah. And um, Chris, you and I have known each other for a while since I first moved to Grand Rapids. You're one of the first people that I met, and you were very welcoming to me. And we were um, endeavoring in another um, philanthropic endeavor mm-hmm. for the Leukemia Lymphoma Society. Yeah. And that's when I just kind of thought to myself, this guy has a heart for people. <laughs> like you just kind of care about all people, which is interesting. You know, it's just one of those things I thought I'm picking up on this early and I don't know his backstory. So for listeners today who may not know your backstory, will you share a little bit about that with us? Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me here. By yes. the way. And uh, we really got to know each other, I think, writing our books because we were sort of writing our books at the same time. And we were bonding over the fact that our editors wouldn't let us use the big words we wanted to. And, <laughs> <laughs> She's like, they let you use that word? They cut it out of mine. I remember we were texting each other. <laughs> I forget what word uh, you were stuck on. So, yeah, I was born here. In, and, uh, I was actually born in Lansing, but moved to Grand Rapids when I was just a babe. And I went to Catholic elementary school, Catholic high school right here in town. Went to Alma College, a small college in the middle of the state. Uh, very much like my high school, very small classes. And... Um, Uh, When I graduated college, I actually set out to be a musician professionally, and I did that for a decade. Uh, Wow. So I was poor for a decade. (laughs) Were you in a band? Yes, I was in many bands. I played under my own name. I toured all around the country, released six albums, and uh, got really close to having that big break, the big major label record deal, but it all fell apart in the last act, and I, on a whim, asked my best friend since first grade if he wanted to start homebrewing in the garage. And three years later, we opened the Mitten Brewing Company. But um, so raising, being raised Catholic, growing up Catholic, like service was always a big thing for us. And uh, our school, we had to do service hours and, you know, every year. So service was always something that we were doing. And, you know, we were always raised to join faith with good works. And that was, you know, something that when you're raised Catholic, it's hard to to forget these things. Right. <laughs> it's hard not to, you know, feel guilty about everything that you do also. We do that well. Yeah. But, um, so I don't know, I, I always had that service mindset 
I guess it was always part of everything that I, I wanted to do. And um, my youngest brother is severely disabled. So my parents were really involved in the disability community and um, volunteered and, and served on the board of a nonprofit for families with autism or afflicted by autism. So they were always modeling that. And, you know, I had a special place in my heart for people with developmental disabilities. So that became a big part of the uh, philanthropy work we do at the Mitten Brewing Company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you were very philanthropic with us at Mel Trotter Ministries during COVID. And um, our staff, who worked tirelessly, right, on the front lines, yes. um, were always so happy <laughs> to see you and Max come with, like, the boxes filled hot with pizza. pizza. Oh, hot pizza. Yeah. 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 It's just so generous, right? You're just a very generous human. And one of the things I want to go back to is you talked about the books, right? Mm-hmm. And your book, I loved. I read it in one sitting. I texted you a picture as I was reading it. Yeah, <laughs> You're on vacation, right? I was, yeah. yeah. And it was um, March 6th, 2020. March 6th, 2020. And I thought, well, one, I'm never probably going to get back to Grand Rapids. But <laughs> the title of your book is Donation, D-O-U-G-H, mm-hmm. play on pizza. Well, well played. <laughs> um, but it was a really interesting read to me. I had just actually started at Mel Trotter Ministries. Mm-hmm. And so I was learning about you know, things that I didn't know about this world and philanthropy. And you have a really interesting take on that that I would love for you to dive into. For sure. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I so getting back a little bit, so the reason I got into music, it wasn't that I necessarily enjoyed playing music so much that I wanted to do it for a living. I wanted to create something that meant something, that, that made people feel something deeply, that expressed these ineffable things. You know, music did that to me. I listened to... Uh, the Beach Boys, the Beatles, and I would cry. I would be so moved by this, and I wanted to be that guy that did that. I want. I felt called to do that. And, you know, long story short, it, music breaks your heart, especially when you do it professionally. And I did more than a 1,000 gigs over those eight and a half years that I did it professionally, and, and more were bad than good. And by the end of it, I was so soured on music. I hated it. I hated it for what it made me feel, for what it did to my life, for how it just... My self-image was destroyed. Um, so I wanted to do something else. And it, even though I, I was so broken and so out of steam, I didn't want to do – because I'd been my own boss doing music, but <laughs> that's not really uh, much of a title. It's not like you're making a lot of money or anything. But um, it was hard for me to go and know that whatever I was going to do next was going to be something probably less meaningful. Mm. So I wanted to make sure that no, whatever it was – that, that there was meaning sewn into it. Mm-hmm. And that was why the philanthropy aspect of it was so important. Even from the first draft of our business plan, we're gonna every month we're going to partner with a different nonprofit, which was kind of pie in the sky because we hadn't even made dollar one yet. <laughs> and we're already talking about giving it away. But um, what, so what I talk about in the book is, is bake that in before you get started. It's not something you do with what's left over. Mm. It's not an afterthought. You're never going to be looking at a big pile of money in your checking account at the end of the year and go, man, better give some of this away. Mm-hmm. Never happens. And if you're waiting around for it to become expedient or convenient to give away money, that day will probably never come if you're a small business owner. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and I, t- I talk about it a lot in the book, but small business customers expect and reward it at the same time. And I, and I honestly think, especially with the younger, the millennials and, and Gen Z we were talking about earlier, uh, they pretty much demand that you take a stand on on social issues and that you you stand for more than economic value because Amazon is pretty much going to own the market for right. pretty much all goods and services. Uh, and if people are going to patronize your small business, it's going to be because of what you stand for. And you know, 
it's not about economic value. They're obviously paying more to get a pizza and beer from me than you can get a frozen pizza and a six-pack of beer from the grocery store and save a lot of money. But uh, it's an expression of values. Yeah. And it's up to us as the business owners to model the values and how do we stand out in a sea of breweries. And then when we started our brewery, there were seven breweries in Grand Rapids. And now in the greater Kent County area, there's like 50, 60. I don't know how many wow. it is. Yeah. So, and everyone's got a great IPA. You know, that's not enough to stand out anymore. It's not about products about people mm. yeah. and um you know we i we made the gifts to to mel trotter last year that was uh, one of our early investors in the company gave us some money and said please apply this to homelessness he, he didn't have anything specific right so i called beth and said what can i do um so we've been fortunate to um through the years of our existence attract a lot of people who want to who see the good things that we do and they want to get involved in in the last two years, especially money we didn't have. Other people did have money. Money wasn't in our bucket. It was in other people's buckets. And they wanted to use us as the catalyst through which to, to make donations. So we felt really proud about that. Yeah. That we had, you know, enough goodwill in the bank to that people would trust us blindly with their money to direct it. That's awesome. I forgot what the question was. <laughs> <laughs> and I was mesmerized by the answer. I'm just like, okay, keep going. <laughs> and this is the part that I love about our guests. It's a little like the, the Smartless podcast where they have, you know, the hosts have people on and, and friends and, and guests that perhaps the others have not yet met or don't know as well. And it was interesting to me because I was watching your face when Chris was speaking and I could tell, Dennis, that you were just kind of like, wow, right? <laughs> like, wow, your heart for this. And, yeah. you know, just the whole aspect of – um give away first fruits is really what he's talking mm -hmm. about. That's a very biblical principle. Yeah, it, it really is, right? Because we tend to think, I mean, you nailed it, Chris. We tend to think, well, um, I'll give money after, right? And then fill in line after. And um, one of the things I've done in my career is I taught for about 12 years at, at Cornerstone in the PGS program, which is the adult degree completion program. And in one of the business classes, I would start it with an exercise. I would say, okay, um, you all just won the lotto, right? So what, whatever, it's $214 million, whatever it is. You all just won that. I want you to take some time and write down exactly what you're going to do with that money. And then they would share it with the class, right? And they were at Cornerstone, and they were in the class, and they were trying to pr um, impress me. And they would all go, well, I would give $10 million to Habitat for Humanity, and I would do this, right? And at the end, I would say to them, wait a minute. If you're not giving now from what you have, you're not going to give then because you have more. Because giving isn't about the amount of money in your bank account. Giving is about your heart, right? And, and some people can't give money, but then you can give time or something like that. So, yeah, I was when I was listening to you, I'm like, this is exactly that. It's you decided before – I love what you said. Before I ever had a dollar, I made money. Yeah. Or, I mean, before we ever made a dollar, we decided we were going to give away. Where it was going, yeah. Where it was going, right? And I'm curious, like, um, have you had, as you've been giving money away and things like that, have you had, like, stories where you're like, oh, my gosh, that was huge impact. That really touched me or that really made a difference in the community? What I like to tell people, and part of the what undergirds that philosophy of, of making a commitment to give before you uh, have the money is that you have no idea where it's going to take you. And I was just, I told the story the other day, we always give to uh, Make-A-Wish Michigan. And my favorite giving story at all, of all time, has nothing to do with giving any money. Um, because of that long-standing relationship, um, they sent a little boy named Forrest, uh, who had blood cancer, and he wanted to be a chef. 
and his wish was to be a chef. So uh, my friend Jenna from Amore, she spent a day with him, and he came to the mitten, and he made some pizzas with us. He spent a day, and our, our line cooks were so into this. They were just smiling ear <laughs> to ear, and um, they were making pizzas with Forrest and taking pictures with him. And a year later, one of the cooks that was there, he had moved on to another job. and He wrote me out of the blue and said, I get emotional when <laughs> I tell the story. It's okay. Um, that afternoon changed his life. Wow. And he went, uh, he stopped what he was doing in his career and went to work at the children's hospital mm-hmm. to work with kids like Forrest. Oh. Wow. Because of that afternoon that kind of came together randomly, that was because of a longstanding relationship, but it was fruit that had nothing to do with oh, yeah. Um, yeah. anything. And it was completely unexpected. Yeah. So oh. I, know, I live for that. Yeah. Yeah, and wow. and what a testament! And that's what we talked about on um, our last episode when when Matthew, our production manager, producer of this podcast, was on, and we talked at length about how those who are experiencing a circumstance of homelessness just often need somebody to come alongside them and believe in them and say, you know what, you can do these things, and then nothing warms our heart. It, like Dennis and I were at, I think it was Turkey Drop, and we saw somebody who was working at Celebration Cinema North, and she said. Hey, guys. Hey, Mel Trotter. Thank you. I stayed with you years ago. And then she proceeded to tell oh. us her story mm-hmm. and how she's working full time. And she said, can I can I share with you? Can you guys do this? And we said, absolutely. And you just, to your point, Chris, never know. Mm-hmm. But you have to show up. Yeah. You have to show up and, and give your time and your treasure and your talents and, and lead with your heart. Lead with love. That's yeah. exactly what Matthew said last episode, too. Just lead with love. And, and because you ultimately have no idea what the result is. That's You've got right. to detach yourself from it right away. Yeah. And too many people look at giving as a one-way transaction that it's it's divestment. This is what I do after I accumulate. And I hate I hate the phrase give back. People say, you got to give back. I'm like, giving back implies taking first. Mm-hmm. I believe we can make our money in a way that is just and, and meaningful. And um, it's not about, you know, sinning and then erasing the sin. You know, or like, you yeah. know, I mean, stemming the tide of, yeah. of bad. We should make our money in a way that benefits everybody. Yeah. And because of that, if you do that and you believe that, you'll make more money and you'll give more money. Mm-hmm. But um, giving can be people too often, people use philanthropy as how they, you know, end their career, their lives. You know, they, they accumulate and they give it away at the end because you can't take it with you. But I think the reason I wrote my book was because a lot of small business owners don't see themselves in philanthropy. They think of this as the purview of rich people. Philanthropy just sounds like a stodgy word for. Uh, you I think know, the editors kept that one. Yeah, foundation. Yeah, keep syllables. that out of your book. Yeah, too many syllables. I, I tried to redeem it a little bit, um, but you know, because small business owners are always scraping a buy, you know, and we definitely have barely paid payroll way too many times. Uh, but that wasn't because we gave away money. You know, that's just the ebb and flow of small business. And the reason that people choose our small business over others is because. We're synonymous with that community work. Mm-hmm. So they're completely inseparable. And I always encourage people to look at giving as investment, not divestment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I love that, you know, because you talked about um, that story that was moving and impactful for you. And you started off by saying it didn't have anything to do with giving. Um, um, but it did, though, you it- know. Um, it didn't have anything to Forrest- do with the transaction, well, the right. financial yes. transaction. Right, right. But um, – 
you were able to give so much to Forrest that day. And look at like how impactful that was for other people who were in the room to experience that. Um, and, you know, I work with um, youth ages 18 to 24. And so um, even some of the stuff that you were talking about, which, uh, you know, planting wherever you are on that um that timeline, whether you are the one that's planting a seed or you're watering it somewhere along their path to fruition, you might not see that be, you know, that fruit come to fruition, but um, you're you're playing a part of watering that um, and watering that seed. And I think that that that's huge. And and then also talking about the um, um, the community, you know, sees that with small businesses. I, I love. Um, the mindset around that, because even if uh, monetarily wise, it, it's you struggle and things because you're not like a bigger business. Mm-hmm. Um, when you lead with your heart and you serve with your heart, uh, people see that. And, and I love that. Um, I've been a patron of the Minton and, and the food is um, <laughs> immaculate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's not get started on the pizza. <laughs> um, but I'm just excited to be here and just learn more about you and um, and, and your heart, because what you're sharing so far, I'm just like, whoa, blown away. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. Proximity changes everything, right? Mm-hmm. You can't parent from a distance. You can't lead staff from a distance. You can't do anything well from a distance. And, you know, what I've what I found in this work and really in my, my ministry career for 30 years has been the closer you get to the people that you've been called and blessed to serve, the more you change, yeah. right? And the more you start you start changing in, in in really interesting ways. One way you change is you start not seeing that person as them, or you know we we talk a lot about um, we and sometimes I fall into this, but we hate it when people are like the homeless. Right. There are no the homeless. There are only people who are just like you and I, mm-hmm. who have fallen on some hard times and they are experiencing homelessness. But homelessness is not their identity. It's not who they are. And when we say the homeless, we're, we're forcing an identity on them. And what we're actually doing is dehumanizing. Yeah, it's an abstraction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But when you get, I mean, I've had the blessing of, and I wish I could do it more, but the blessing of, of sitting next to people that we serve and listening to their stories and just being overwhelmed by what an amazing, um, opportunity we have to come alongside them, but what also what an amazing blessing they are to my life, sure. mm-hmm. right? Because you start going, wow, in some ways, this person is far richer than I am, right? We, we um, every year in Thanksgiving, my favorite thing that we do is uh, we put a big butcher block paper up on the wall at Maltrotter, and it's simple. I am thankful for, mm-hmm. and then we put markers, and anybody can write whatever, Um I wish everyone in West Michigan could read that paper mm-hmm. because the people that are the homeless, in quotes, are writing what they're thankful for and they put me to shame because they're thankful for things that I take for granted. Sure. Mm-hmm. And they're actually more thankful than I am. Right. right. And that's the thing. And then, so then when, you know, like you, you've got the mitten, okay, well, this is your way. You're changing the world. Right. Mm-hmm. And what's happening is you and your employees are changing with it. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And yeah. that's, and it, it's a, People look at it like, like I said, I, I, not to keep harping on this, but everyone looks at <laughs> philanthropy is is the, the end of the journey, you know, and it's it's what you do along every yeah. step. It's what you get to the next step, and 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 you can't go about it with the, with an idea of what you want to accomplish, because, yeah. and, and and I think that's a, that's ego, and and the more you're away 
from need, the more you start to prioritize your own ego. Because like, like you just said, when you're around people every day, when you're, you don't, you're, you're seeing individual people and there's more headspace when you get away from it. That's what I hated about the pandemic and the shutdown and everything is we were not around each other yeah. as much. We were not around guests. And <laughs> when we finally opened back up and our old mug clubbers came up and bellied up to the bar, I, I started crying. I felt like, <laughs> I, I, Matt, I'm getting older. I'm start. I cry a lot more often. Than I used to. But it I'm doesn't like, I get can't better. Believe how much I missed you guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I would have been like, oh, hey guys, you know, before, but right. Geez, that was the whole reason we got into this was to, yeah. to serve people, and that yeah. and I kind of went away, and I'm and glad like, it's coming back. And and why why did you bring pizzas to Maltrotter? Because you know, I don't know if you really understand the impact that that had. You know, because well, Beth Beth talked about. Our staff, you know, rightly so, the, the medical folks and a lot of people get the frontline worker thing and, and absolutely well-deserved. Um, but our staff showed up at great risk to themselves among a vulnerable population every day and kept that shelter open. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you, when those pizzas showed up, a, a cart of gold from Fort Knox could not have been – could not have excited our staff more because it let them know that they were valued and cared for. So like yeah. what what was in your guys' heart to say, I'm going to go throw that to Mel Trotter? So interestingly, um, we underwrite all the mobile food pantries through Feeding America, okay. West Michigan, all the ones on the west side. We got into that five years ago. So we, we have this big uh, annual golf outing and that's – it raise, ends up raising about $20,000. So that's enough to, to do that. So that's our biggest – tentacles into, into all the little neighborhoods around us. And on a whim, we brought hot pizzas to these food pantries for, to the first one we ever went to to volunteer. So let's bring 10 pizzas and hand it out. And it was the winter and people line up hours ahead to get to go through these food pantries and, and they're shivering. And the food they're getting is, it's not exciting, right? Yeah. It's, it's right. canned food. It's, 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 you know, it's, it's stuff that was donated by grocery stores. So it's not the top shelf stuff. It it's, fits the need, right? And they, and they they obviously want it, and it's good for them and everything. But it's not exciting. And there are kids in line too. Mm. And we showed up that first day with hot pizza, and everybody everybody said, "Oh, they're so excited! This is the mid. No, I've always wanted to try there. I can't afford it." Mm -hmm. um, wow. And uh, I remember this woman said she hadn't had pizza in ten years. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And I, and so I had an inkling yeah. when we brought it down here that because we do that almost every week. Uh, for the food pantries. Now we can't go. They, they can't have in-person volunteering. But um, that was a huge light bulb for us. Mm -hmm. We got to bring pizza to these every week. This is so rewarding. <laughs> and it was like 30-minute volunteer opportunity. Oh, my God. It would redeem even the crummiest day. Yeah. I'd go to there and I'd feel so good. Mm -hmm. I'm like, why doesn't everybody do this? I wish I could do this every day. <laughs> I just had such a crappy day <laughs> and yeah. it totally erased it. Yeah. Handing out hot comfort food. Yeah. That's it. it. That's it. And and I love what you said when um, I'm sure it just really stops you in your tracks when she said, I haven't had pizza in 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if I ever shared the story with you, Dennis, but I used to teach scripture at a prison ministry. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe I did. And I was to myself thinking, all right, guys, here we are. We're going to talk about Mary and Martha. We're going to talk about, you know, some story that to me felt like everybody knew it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like kind of glossing over it a bit saying, okay, guys, like we're going to talk about this. I'm so sorry if you've heard it a million times. And I'll never forget. There was a woman probably in her early 60s sitting next to me. And she said, honey, she just totally interrupted me. She said, honey, no matter what story you're about to tell me, I can guarantee I've never heard it. Mm -hmm. And so that really just stopped me in my own tracks going, wait a minute. 
my purview, my perception, my lens of life Mm -hmm. is only what I know. And it's only based on my own experiences and how wrong and shallow really of me to say, well, I'm sure everybody else sees it the same way too. Like it could not be further from the truth. And it took me so many years to get out of my own way and say, okay, seriously? Like how could you miss this, right? Like I am always intrigued by people who have lived different lives and have experienced different um, things that I have and can teach me. And I'll say, I had no idea. And I think really that is um, just a a lot of love, like undergirding of love to say, I care enough about you as a human for you to tell me the things that I don't know and me to not feel at all threatened by it, right? For me to say, wow, now that helps me to tell the next person or the next person with whom I'm in, in contact with to say, okay, they might not know this either, yeah. right? They may not have had pizza for 10 years. They may not know who Mary and Martha or even P.S. Jesus. They may not know who <laughs> these folks are, right? Like yeah. we're put on the planet to help other people. But but it goes back to what we we're talking about. There's yes. only one way to expand that and that's proximity, yeah. right? There's only one way to do that and to get close to to one person, right? To yeah. one person. Be in front of runs. those people. Yeah, yeah be in front of that them. discussion. Yeah. Yeah. Show up yeah. every day. Ask somebody to tell you their story, mm-hmm. right? And they'll tell you their story and all of a sudden – you expand. Yeah. yeah. And when, when she said that, yeah, I had a pizza in 10 years here, I'm thinking, it, it blew me away. And I'm thinking, how lucky am I? I have, I could have pizza every day for my life. You know, every day I'm surrounded. I'm like, no more pizza for me. Yeah. I work in a pizzeria, you know, I don't need this. But some people, it's a rare, delic- you know, delicacy. Yeah. And has that whole, everything that you've shared thus far, um, those experiences for you, Chris, has that led you to, because I know you're very involved in West Michigan, mm-hmm. but has it led you to other um passions or I know you you really just are very um that's another reason why I think very highly of you because you're very vocal about things that you care about you're like I'm not just gonna watch this and listen I got something to say about this and you show up in different arenas so can you talk a little bit about how your the experiences you shared have led you into other facets in our community the the biggest thing that I get the most joy out of now is mentoring other small business owners mm-hmm. and when they say how did you do that how did you how do you give money away and not lose money? I'm like, my friend, pull up a chair. Uh, because I, I really love, um, I would love to create a bunch of, you know, be a part of small businesses taking the reins of philanthropy and saying, we can do this. We can solve problems. Mm. We can put nonprofits out of business by giving them enough money to accomplish the mission and shut down. That's my dream to help mentor, you know, to, to start claiming philanthropy in the name of small business and connecting people uh, the dollars they spend to the impact that it has. And that's what you talk about in donation. That's yes, the whole that's right. through line in the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I really found intriguing. And it's spot on, really. We talk about all the time social enterprise. Mm-hmm. We do. We talk about how the 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 whole f- face of, of donating and fundraising mm-hmm. and all the things that we are endeavoring to do together, how it's changing. And you talked about it. Yeah. And the one thing that I – and I like to – one thing where this can get garbled and I, I make sure to reinforce nonprofits need to do this work. They need to do the work. This is not about businesses doing the work because businesses aren't too good at it. And, and a lot of entrepreneurs think they can do everything. Mm-hmm. And um, this is about funding nonprofits, mm-hmm. yeah. not abandoning the progress and the, and the reach that, and the expertise that you guys already have. Mm-hmm. Too many small businesses want to be true social enterprise and do the work. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Yeah. Make the money. Align your, align your mission yeah. with the nonprofits in your community, but don't supplant them. Don't mm-hmm. take over their work and do it worse. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, I think that's a, that's that's where it can get. Um, a lot of people think they're doing the right thing mm-hmm. by doing the work, and just because you're good at one thing doesn't mean you're good at another thing. Yeah, that uh, 
Uh, Effective collaboration. Yes, for sure. about. Yeah. yeah. I like that. I, I, I'm looking at I just enjoy sitting here. It's hard, so hard for listeners, right? Because they can't see the facial expressions. And I'm like one of the most animated. Dennis tells me all the time, can, can you talk yeah, without your hands, Beth? <laughs> but I love watching people's expressions when you speak about this. Mm-hmm. It's just because, and, and really anybody who has a passion for giving back and has a different way of approaching it. Mm-hmm. But yet, I think we're all saying the same thing, yeah. right? Which is let's come together mm-hmm. and let's make a difference and let's have innovative partnerships. And this is what we do, right? When we all the time. Talk about ending homelessness in West Michigan. It's through community partnerships and innovative solutions. That's exactly what you're talking about. I have to be honest. I've been thinking a lot about how hungry I am for pizza right now. I know. <laughs> I, that was yeah. I, was like, like, I hope this isn't showing up. I need to go to the mitten after this. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that was a look on your face. Hunger. I don't know. Pizza. I don't know. Did you have pizza during the Ohio State-Michigan game? Uh, you mean where Michigan beat Ohio State? No, I did not have pizza. I did. I was actually eating pizza. Maybe that was a problem. So... Well, you know, I really, um, one of the things that uh, was profound to me, because um, this is the the year that they call it of the entrepreneur, entrepreneurship. And so, you know, with so many, uh, you know, COVID has kind of really um, produced a lot of people to just kind of step out on a limb and just bet on themselves, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so there's so many small businesses that are kind of popping up, so many different investors that are investing in small businesses. So for you to kind of come alongside of some of those small businesses and and help restructure um you know their their mindset as they're building into that, like you said, in the dough yeah. of the um, <laughs> of of their um, their why sure. um, is is really big. What's one of the things that you'd say um, as you've been kind of mentoring and coming alongside of some of the small businesses um, that have kind of been some takeaways or like you know challenges, um, and then maybe even some highlights mm-hmm. from that experience. Well, I think the the biggest challenge is that. People always look at giving as losing, mm. you know, and, and, and to that end, I combat that best by saying, look at our success. Yeah. You know, and, and, and no amount of me trying to convince you or pretty words and, and me, you know, telling you extolling the virtue of giving is more powerful than saying, oh, the mitten. Those guys are always busy, mm-hmm. uh, give away a lot of money, but they're making a lot of money. You know, it's uh, my success is the best tool because you can see it. Yeah. And it's not just a. Uh, doing it because it's the right thing to do. It's also a smart thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always like to share our sales. Our, here's the books. Here's how we're doing. Wow. This isn't, this is, this is nuts and bolts, yeah. you know? Um, so I think that's a powerful tool because people need to be uprooted from this, but I'll be losing money by giving. No, you won't. Yeah. yeah. Seeing is believing for a lot of people. Yeah, for sure. So that's huge. And um, another thing that, another obstacle that I, that I find, and, and this one's hard because I think it comes from growing up religious, uh, everyone wants to be really modest and anonymous mm-hmm. when they give. And that's hardwired in us. I don't need the credit. You know, and people always say that. I, I say, hey, thanks for the donation. We're going we're gonna to get thank you. I, I don't need the credit. Mm-hmm. And I say, you do. And here's why. Because your friends, your compatriots, your, your peers need to know yeah. what you're doing. So they'll go, what? I want to do that too. I don't want to see him getting credit for this. The train's leaving without me. And I, and I, I know it's, it's, that shouldn't be the only reason you give for, for glorification, but um, I use this story to combat that. So we gave – we have a pub up in Northport, up in the, the Pinky here, Leonardo County, mm-hmm. okay. northern Michigan, and um, we paid off the student lunch debt at Sutton's Bay School. It was a tiny gift for us. It was $2,700. It wasn't a big gift. 
um, compared to the $20,000 we do at the, I need a bottle of water here. I've been cutting wood all day. I'm making tables, so oh. I got sawdust. You need stuff to come to the next throat. step. We'll talk about that when mm. we're done here. Yeah. You make pizzas, make tables, mentor <clears throat> small businesses. You are a busy man. Plays music Writing once in a while. Yeah. music. Ooh, the list goes on and on. Unable to relax might be a better thing. <laughs> uh, so we made this gift, and one, one of our bartenders up there was a teacher, and he said, listen, there's kids who are carrying around all this lunch debt for years, and now they're on free lunch, but they still owe. Mm. And there's an Indian reservation up there. There's some poverty. And it'd be awesome because a lot of the teachers contribute to this. If you guys could pay that off, that'd be huge. So we did it and you know, took a picture in front of the school, handed the superintendent the check. And MLife picked it up and it was shared 150,000 times. Wow. And next week, our friends that own a brewery in Grand Haven paid off the lunch debt for their kids in Grand Haven. Mm-hmm. Week after that. In Holland, they paid off the school lunch debt and kept going and going. 42 Applebee's restaurants throughout Michigan held student lunch debt fundraisers. Little River Casino held a lunch debt. You know, they donated, paid off in Manistee County. And it was all referencing our gift. Mm-hmm. And I say that money would have never been shaken yeah. loose for that purpose had that not gotten shared so much. Had right. that not been. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember and we didn't, you know, toot our own horn about it. We announced it, though. We always announce it. We say, hey, we did this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This, yeah, and it, and it unlocked all these other gifts that, Amazing, yeah. you know, if we if it had been anonymous, I'm not sure it would have been the same way. Because right. it was breweries that started paying off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a difference between arrogance, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Arrogance is, hey, look at me. I'm great, right? Look at what I did. That's not what I hear that, uh, that's what I know that you did, right? I look at it as connecting customer yes. dollars yes. to the effect that yeah. they're choosing to patronize his head and what we did with it. We're a steward of what, of their trust in us. Right. And then... Sharing that, your hope is that it becomes exactly what you just said it did, which was an inspiration to others. So then actually, if you had kept quiet, you would have had a great impact for the students that won school. Exactly. But because you didn't uh, keep it quiet, Mm -hmm. how many other school systems, probably thousands of kids that were impacted by that because you shared what you had been led to do, right? So I think that that story is really powerful because it's not about Mm – yeah, it's not about arrogance. It's, it's about sharing. That's right. Well, imagine yeah. if Jesus yeah. would have told Peter, hey, go start the church, but just don't tell anybody about it. Don't yeah. go to the ends of the earth, right? Yeah. Hey, you know what I mean? See? <laughs> no. <laughs> Absolutely. That's it. Then it shakes his head. But that's where my head went immediately. Like, mm-hmm. we, there's a very big difference between self-glorification, mm-hmm. me, 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 and I am going to share this good news mm-hmm. so that others can, can be blessed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's about your motivation, right? Totally. Yeah. yeah. It's about demonstrating what can be done too. That's yes. right. People often yep. approach this kind of stuff with this scarcity mindset, you know, mm-hmm. and then you show them this little company did that. Mm-hmm. Well, shoot, maybe we could do that. How much did it cost? That's yeah. it. Yeah. They never would have scratched the onion to you know, right. peel the onion to find out that, oh, we can do this. Yeah. I love this it. This pervasive problem that's been around for decades, we can wipe it out this week. Yeah. Man. What I really want to know, though, is why that doesn't translate. Like, if I watched you as an example play the drums, why I still am kind of terrible. <laughs> I got the kit. I tried the whole thing. Yeah, oh, hey. <laughs> I, I like... have something to do with rhythm, Beth. <laughs> All right. I got through CPR training earlier. I had rhythm with that. You don't have drummer written on you. You have singer. Oh, front come person. on. I was just watching. I've been watching the Beatles documentary, Get Back. Me too. And Ringo's just sitting back watching the guys argue. Well, it's my turn. Seriously, he does. You would be one of the people arguing, as would I. I couldn't sit back well. and be the metronome. So, yeah. who's one of the people arguing? The guitar player? Are you? It's pretty oh. much 
John and Paul and every now and then and George. George, and then George quits the band. Yep. And Ringo just, to your point, right? He just stands there and he watches it all. And then they're like, okay, now let's play this song. And he's like, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> See? Yeah. He's just above the drama. <laughs> he doesn't care. He knows awesome. he's going to sing the Goofy Octopus song. Mm. Well, Chris, we are just very grateful for everything that you do in our community. Just thank you for being the person they are. Thank you for showing up here today with us and spending grateful time. Grateful for you guys. You're doing the work. We're just trying to. Yeah. Help be the engine for it. Yep. Awesome. Yep. Well, thank you again. And also, you closed our season. So we're really excited about the season one. You guys, that is, as cool. they say, a wrap. So we will be back next month in January. We wish everybody a safe holiday season and a very um, happy, healthy year end. I'm looking to ask, is that the end? You want something to say something? No, I think you did great. I okay. was just mesmerized. Okay. Grandma, if you're listening to this, I'm wearing the Santa hat you made for me. <laughs> something you can't see. Uh, in the audio medium. But. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody.